0: Frankenstein returns in search of a bride, and we all learn the monster talks. It's the bride of Frankenstein.
1: Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster, and it will destroy you. With just Karloff, just, just Karloff. Karloff, not Boris just Karloff. Karloff. Karloff, he
0: is like the Beyonce of his time. Alex.
1: Right, just I mean, Karloff. It, that he must he must have been. Who else uh, just gets their last name plastered on there? Uh, Zendaya, I guess. Yeah, but she is like a isn't is she, isn't she like a performer? like a is she, is she a musician? Is, is Zendaya yes. a, a musician? See, that's different because musicians just name themselves, right? But performers mm. don't typically name themselves like that. Right. So Interesting. Karloff mm. is one in a million. Don't think I didn't notice that.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you did, Alex. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the monster podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing, of course, The Bride of Frankenstein. And with me
1: today is Friend... Good, Alex <laughs> and Eric with those two awesome highlights on his temples.
0: <laughs> Alex, I had to uh, be a little kinder, a little bit more kind this week after oh, calling yeah. you, um, what was it, spoiled medical raps last week? Yeah, yeah, like it was very, it's very mean. Bad. I
1: can't say anything. I've done something similar, I think, the week before that. <laughs> um, so I had it coming.
0: Yeah, you did. <laughs> well. Hey, Alex, quick question off the top of the show. I I know you finished Dragon Ball Super recently. I
1: did. I did. I did.
0: So is the the series finished Dragon Ball Super? Or you just finished from where it's at?
1: So I think the manga is still going. Mm. I think the intention is to keep it going. But it's like, you know, it ended back in 2017. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like it's done. It's fine if it ends where it is. Yeah, I think the intention be is picked to, up again sometime. Well, right? it, it, the the arc's been continued in a Broly movie, um, gotcha. and then it's being continu- continued in a movie that's coming out mm. this uh, summer,
0: hmm.
1: cool. uh, Dragon Ball cool. Super superheroes.
0: Uh, nice. Well, the reason I bring that up, Alex, is because I posted this on Twitter today because Theo and I were watching Dragon Ball Z, and we had. Cell, we're in the Cell saga and Cell was being attacked by the entire military and really just not, it wasn't affecting him whatsoever. And so that got Theo thinking, who wins (laughs) in a fight, Alex? Godzilla, King of the Monsters? Or Dragon Ball Z's Cell.
1: Oh my gosh, this is like one of those lunchroom talking points you have when <laughs> no one's got anything going on. But it's also like a guilty pleasure, right? It's yeah, always right. a guilty pleasure because it's like... <laughs> think, think this, These conversations always get far too elaborate uh, with far what of scenarios. But the answer is definitively um, Godzilla.
0: Oh, ho, ho. I was going to say sell.
1: I think so. Here, here's why. Here, here's why. All right. So Godzilla, okay. he's got unlimited atomic breath. Cell gets tired, but mm-hmm. as far as we know, we've never seen Godzilla get tired from atomic blasts, Right? Mm-hmm. We've seen him get t- tired from like taking a beating. Um, but we just—he's a powerhouse man, and <laughs> I, I, I can't—I can't go too much into Cell because you haven't seen the end of the saga, but. Cell's a good pick, though. He's a tough character to beat. So I'm not mm. sure if he can, but I'm, I'd put my money on Godzilla. But he is slow compared to Cell. That's the problem.
0: Mm-hmm. That is the problem. The uh, We had one response on Twitter already, Alex, that said Cell would just absorb Godzilla.
1: He can't do it. Cellzilla. Can't do it? <laughs> no, he can't do it. He can't <laughs> do it because he, he only integrates humans, I think. Um, mm, I could be wrong. For I now. Could
0: be wrong. But he's never faced a threat like Godzilla before.
1: Yeah, I I just feel like the nuclear fusion and stuff would probably like melt him down or something. (laughs)
0: Uh, No, I want to go with Godzilla, but something says sell for whatever reason. Mm. But I think we can agree to disagree on this one. I don't think we'll be starting any lunchroom food fights. Uh, (laughs) But Alex, one other big piece of news released today. Wait, hang on real quick. I have a real
1: counterpoint to that. Uh, whoever said that he could absorb.
0: Okay. Think about
1: how thick Godzilla's scales are. That little tiny little needle ain't going to go anywhere. Mm -mm. No. Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, big news today, Alex. From uh, official news released by Legendary, there is a new Apple TV legendary MonsterVerse TV series being released. Here is the plot description. Following the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the Titans that leveled San Francisco and the shocking new reality that monsters are real, the series explores one family's journey to uncover its buried secrets and a legacy linking them to the secret organization known as Monarch. Huh. Uh Now, when people hear this, it'll probably, we might have more details at that point. But what are your initial impressions, Alex, of a potential Monarch Monsterverse TV series?
1: So I'm not going to say no to more Godzilla, right? Mm -hmm. But I am a little more disinterested because of the San Francisco portion of this, which means it's tied to the original Godzilla Monsterverse movie. Which Mm -hmm. means we're going back in time again. Like, Mm -hmm. like let's go to the future where we want to actually see new things. Mm -hmm. Now we can still see new things, right? We can still see uh, other monsters and that type of thing that could be fun. But I mean, we have two movies taking place after this, and we already stuck with a family that had San Francisco leveled, and then had a link to Monarch. That was the family of the next two movies, <laughs> yeah, and so I'm isn't like, that I the d-
0: plot isn't this the plot of King of the Monsters?
1: Yes, and so it's like what why are we retreading this ground? I don't uh, that's that's my biggest problem with it now, maybe it's gonna play out very differently, I, it probably will, but it's like, come on, like you literally just told me the <laughs> the story of the the second movie,
0: yeah, I'm with you, yeah, I'm not gonna poo poo more Godzilla uh just because I'll be interested to see what they do with the monsters and with the with uh, we probably won't have any human characters that we're familiar with but I mean who knows maybe um but we'll probably we'll probably see some familiar monsters we'll probably have a few pleasant surprises I'm sure um
1: but yeah anger is confirmed
0: (laughs) anger is probably honestly um We'll we'll see some some monsters that we haven't seen yet in the MonsterVerse. verse. So I'll be excited to see kind of that take on them. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I have uh, a few hesitations towards a TV series that is set within the monster verse.
1: Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I I, was... I I
0: I like the monster verse. I wonder if it's time to start something fresh. I don't know. Maybe not.
1: Well, I, I think it's fine to keep exploring it. Um mm-hmm. And what this could do is create maybe hype for a new movie or whatever else, but because we're getting ready to get Toho movies, so mm-hmm. I don't really need new American Godzilla movies necessarily yeah. just because I'm already gonna be getting Toho, so I'll be perfectly satisfied in the Godzilla front plus we're gonna be getting singular point season two yeah, like we're gonna get we're gonna get our fill, so why not explore this thing that's already established a little bit? I do wish we were later in the timeline. I don't feel like revisiting the past but whatever mm-hmm. if we have to we have to um <laughs> maybe it'll lead to some maybe interesting okay. kong stuff or something like mm-hmm. that right we've got some opportunity here that I probably haven't thought of so we'll, we'll see
0: yeah for sure yeah the but you bringing back up the toho godzilla films that are apparently planned Makes me a little bit excited as well. we'll yeah, we'll yeah. Those will be those.
1: those will be here pretty soon, I feel like. I would I, imagine like,
0: that we're going to have to get more news about them here in 2022.
1: I think this year is the year that we get Ultraman. We're going to get a bunch of Kamen Rider news. And then we're really going to find out what Toho has planned for Godzilla. Like, mm. really get some pretty clear-cut plans, I think. Yeah.
0: That'd be cool. would be cool. Well, hey, getting back into Universal Monsters, Alex, here before we start our Bride of Frankenstein review... We, we talked about some Dracula feedback we received, but I wanted to take a special moment to talk about some feedback received from one of our loyal listeners and bargain base, Mike Kiyotoshi, uh, who says this. I'm enjoying the new series a lot. I love these classic films, and it seems I have the same box set as you guys. Now, as to why Van Helsing stayed behind in Dracula, besides the goofy cut ending from the stage show, it's because he had things to do. Dracula was not dead. The stake only pins him to his resting place to destroy him. He still needed to cut off his head, stuff the mouth with garlic and burn the corpse. This is addressed in the original novel and some versions of the stage show. And of course he's not going to subject the happy lovers to that. So he sends them on their way. They never spell it out in the film of of that era. What's really cool is that a subsequent film in the series is direct sequel addresses this issue and even starts in the exact same moment with Van Helsing, same actor. So we have that to look forward to. And Joey is right. They're not going to spell that out (laughs) in this movie.
1: Mm, Well, maybe they should. (laughs) Well, I mean, that
0: is one of the things, Alex, right? Is we can only go. I I mean, I had read the novel before watching the film, but we can only go with what we have on screen. And I don't think we can expect audiences to have read the source material before they watch the movie.
1: You or know. even honestly, I don't think even applying source material over to a, from a book to a movie is really fair either. You know, it's mm-hmm. like having insider knowledge on how something works, and that's just a little odd um, to expect from your audience. So yeah, yeah it's just odd. But, but whatever. I, I I am glad to know that this is going to be addressed. So I will say I am satisfied that we are getting it addressed. I am not satisfied with. The ending.
0: Man, think about what how dark a turn that would have been, Alex.
1: That would have been awesome <laughs> if we watched that would this movie that.
0: and it just cuts and it's this black and white scene, and we get Van Helsing slowly cutting off Dracula's head, <laughs> stuffing the mouth with garlic, and burning the corpse. And the closing shot is just the fire in the background as Van Helsing walks away slowly in slow motion.
1: Oh, dude, you just <laughs> sold you just sold me. You sold me. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I would have wanted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. Well, what else (laughs) would be great is talking about The Bride of Frankenstein. Alex, are you ready for our film introduction? Absolutely. All right. Returning for his third Universal monster film already, James Whale takes the lead of The Bride of Frankenstein, a direct sequel to Frankenstein in our first sequel of the Universal series. There's a whole lot to talk about here, Alex, let's start with the fact that the monster talks did the development of this monster in this film heighten or lessen your feelings towards our semi semi-friendly fiend
1: yeah so I, the movie in general did a, a lot of what I complained the original film didn't do enough of namely we get we finally get reasons to feel sympathetic for the monster that isn't things that other people do to him and more so, it's just his inability to understand the world around him why his presence has the effect it does and knowing just knowing in the deepest part of him that he just wants a connection mm-hmm. and the, you know there's a real human element here that uh, it's very re- relatable um and it's a lot more in line with the books than the last movie which is ga- it's really interesting like i i saw the Dr. uh, Oh, why am I blanking? Yeah. Pretorius. Mm. Dr. Pretorius was pretty much the monster, Mm. uh, from the book. It was really cool to see, like they put in a new character kind of in his place. And he did a lot of the things that he did. And it's just, I I, I love that little change of the source material, just because it works in Mm. tandem with how they displayed the monster in the previous movie. um, so I really like that. Now, and the one of the things that I really like about the movie, and <laughs> so I was on Twitter and you know, we see these stupid questions come across. Uh, you know, like, oh, would you sit in the Marvel movies for one sitting for a million dollars? It's like, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. Like, of course people would do that. <laughs> but then I saw I actually saw an interesting one today, right? And the question was that was posed was for sixty million dollars. Would you spend a year in this room? And it showed a picture of a white padded room. And the rule was is that you have no contact. You get food, but there's no contact when you get the food. Mm. And not a single person in the comments said yes. Which is saying something, right? Uh, Twitter is full of people that say all kinds of things. And no one was saying yes. They were all like, yeah, no, what point is money when you're going to be nuts mm. by the end of it, right? And so it really showed to me that we all realize how important it is to be around people and to have that connection. Even if a lot of us like to say that we don't like people.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, a good point, Alex. And I think you're getting that, what this film is all about. Um, As far as the monster is concerned, I actually I didn't realize he would start talking before this film. And apparently Karloff himself was against it. But I think it works and and actually is more like the original source material in which the monster is even more articulate than we see here. Uh, But there's so much to get into, Alex. I think I want to start at the end of the film. The film is called The Bride (laughs) of Frankenstein, but the bride monster only appears for the last few moments. But the moments leading up to that are so climactic that it feels that the whole film was leading up to that moment, which is kind of the point, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the creation event of the original set the events into place. The creation event here is the absolute climax. And what a sequence that entire scene is. The camera work, the cuts, the slanted climaxes going back and forth between Dr. Frankenstein and Pretorius really quickly. The huge and otherworldly set, the shadows. That scene is just something to behold. Yeah, a good word for that scene, and I think a good word for that movie is fantastical, which I believe is the same word I use for Mothra in our Mothra review, Alex. In a sense, it's how I feel with this movie. The more and more I think about it, it's it's in that tier of movies. It just finds this balance between tones, I believe, and there is an underlying wit to it, an underlying almost lightness. I, it's hard to describe that makes me just feel um, I'm enjoying myself while in the film and while, while still tackling some serious issues. right Oh And it has music that is specifically composed for this film by Franz Waxman that works. There's uh, no
1: joke. It is specific yeah. too, right? Because like uh, it, is. It, it makes me think of when uh, Pretorius opens up that case and with each thing he flicks, the music plays. With each uh, Look, lock that he flicks y- off of it.
0: Yes. And this is the first time we've gotten that in these movies and it makes a difference. Right. Uh, but I'll stop for a moment and let you get in any gripes <laughs> that you might have. If you have some.
1: I like that you just assume that I've got some bright gripes, but <laughs> I do have a few. <laughs> but honestly, just go ahead and preface it. It's pretty minimal this time around. Uh my biggest gripe is the portrayal of two characters in comparison to mm-hmm. the portrayal in the original film. Um, I do think that even though I like how the monster is handled in this movie, I do think he is handled very differently than he was in the previous movie. Um, the previous version. Well, so this version is just more curious and mm-hmm. he, you see him in every scene, just longing to connect and, be with people rather than the other version that just had like this general aloofness, this disbelief of things around him, Um, quick to turn violent, which honestly this one did too. I mean, he starts out the movie murdering two people who didn't do anything. He does.
0: Um, I think it makes him pretty complex though. Right. And he, I think he also senses the threat of those two people. Maybe not right. the second one, right? <laughs> Maybe not <Yeah>. uh, Maria's <laughs> mother. But he senses the threat from Maria's father, to be sure. And I think he's just been attacked by a group of people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty natural reaction. I think it, he can and be, also, Yeah, and I also think I, I understand what you're saying here about the uh, two different portrayals, but don't you think the monster would be a bit more in disbelief at first waking up to life than he would be mm-hmm. after being uh, in this world now for a little bit more time.
1: I do, but it's not that he, he hasn't been in the world for much more time than the previous film in terms of, uh, the timeline, at least it, mm-hmm. it felt that way to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, he's got a few days there where he's wandering the, the, the countryside, he throws a little girl in the water and she drowns and he runs away. This time someone falls in the water. He's like, Oh, I can get in the water, um, immediately and save this person. Um, and so, uh, it's just his general reactions to everything around him are very different. Now, I understand. It's like you're saying, you know, he's, he's new to the world, right? He's going to react differently in the first film. Uh, and I can agree with that to an extent. But I do feel like this is almost a different monster. Um, hmm. Because there's no moment where he learns differently. He just is different uh, mm-hmm. to me. Now, the other character for me, though, is Elizabeth. Uh, I think she's actually a little less interesting this time around. Um, She's more manic and superfluous in her role. Um, All of her lines are a little more flowery. And I just think she's a lot less interesting. Now, I I, I say that, but it kind of maybe goes back to my complaint about the monster as well, you know. She did get assaulted at the end of the last film, right? Um, The last time we really saw her, she was getting strangled by the monster, but she was alive. Um, so that could be given, that could give a pretty good reason for her change and her scaredness and her hallucinating things are there that aren't Mm -hmm. there. Um, and also, you know, why couldn't the monster have killed many at the beginning of the film instead of these other people, right? Like just kill many so i don't have to listen to this acting anymore <laughs> it, 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 her acting is so wildly inconsistent i never knew what tone her next line was going to be and like, i never knew because hater but these are all but like i really didn't i from line to line i didn't know what the tone was going to be because she goes from hysterical and co- like her acting is hysterical not anything com- comedic but she try, goes from trying to be funny and over the top to deadly serious. And I actually think she does the serious acting much better than she does the funny acting. Like, it, it's clear that like she must have had a career on the stage and um, mm. plays before this. Because that's what her acting really reads as. <laughs> um, but whatever. Those are honestly, I've been going on, but these are really minor gripes all yeah. easily overlooked, because everything else in this film is great. In the change in Frankenstein, or sorry, in the Monsters character, I'm for because this is what I wanted from the beginning. Uh, uh, but mm-hmm. it is something that I felt was inconsistent, and I had to point out. But what mm. about you, Eric? Like, you sound like you're kind of digging it too, yeah. uh, but did you have any problems?
0: Well, I certainly didn't have uh, a problem with the lovely Una O'Connor, Alex. Mm. Uh <laughs> But one thing that I was considering when watching this film is the pacing, Alex, which is something that you often bring up in our reviews. Yeah. Um, And if you would have complained about the pacing here, I would have agreed with you. Because when we talk about pacing, we're talking about the length of scenes and how long specific scenes should carry on and really how to transition between them so that you continually raise the stakes in a way you're not necessarily in this huge over the top sort of way but you make us care just a bit more about what's happening on the screen moment by moment scene by scene and i think you get a few moments here that carry on a bit long like the pretorius miniature scene which yes really shows off the effects team's ability in 1935 and it does establish pretorius as dabbling in more than science and in the dark arts Ultimately, there's a scene that takes us away from our main purpose of the film. The longer it carries on, it carries on for just a couple beats too long and thus hurts the pacing. There's also the scene between Dr. Frankenstein and his soon to be wife at the beginning of the film, one of the initial scenes between the two, where he essentially reiterates the problems the doctor had from the last film, but does nothing to further the story. These are pacing problems. But when you look at the film as a whole and you look at the set pieces involved here, you just get so many great pieces that you can look past these pacing issues, which if we're being honest, Alex, so many of these early films have because this is just a brand new art form and storytelling Mm -hmm. platform that is still coming into its own in 1935. Think about just a few of the set pieces. You've got the opening with Maria's parents' demise, which I think... 1935 that's going to be pretty horrifying to some people right the hunt of the monster the escape of the monster the graveyard uh tomb pretoria scene yeah. the hermit monster relationship building and the entire last 15 minutes it's it's all pretty impressive
1: <clears throat> it is pretty impressive I, I found i found myself sitting there thinking that a lot <laughs> yeah in this film uh, to be honest and You know, again, once again, this film shows, you know, you make a great point. You know, this is an early art form. We've figured out endings. This is two movies in a row and we've gotten good endings. Mm. Um, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. And yeah, I could definitely see some pacing issues here for sure. Um, Especially with when Frankenstein's going on to Elizabeth about, you know, what happened in the last movie. But overall, I didn't really have a problem with the pacing. Um, but I think, like, so, example, the Pretoria scene where he's got all of his little tiny people, uh, mm-hmm. miniature people, I guess. Um, my jaw was, like, yeah. on the ground with that scene. I could not it's believe a- how awesome it looked. It looks great. I, it's I was, like, quite frankly, blown away <laughs> by it. Um, now... <laughs> You know, I can't. I can't believe that this was done all the way back then because we see that people do this stuff now, and sometimes it doesn't look as good as it did. That it does not, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, and, like it, I mentioned Mothra before. <laughs> Our Mothra twins, honestly, do not look as real as these things did in this film.
1: No, and a lot of times CG miniature people don't look as good either. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just completely like baffled by that whole scene uh, So I didn't mind it Because I was just <laughs> marveling yeah. at the effects yeah. um, <laughs> But uh, I do want to also throw some praise At the final 15 minutes Just like you did You know, It is completely stellar And like you said The shadows, the lighting of every moment In that last 15 minutes is perfect And the resolution of this moment is awesome And exactly how I felt it should play out Um, And I'm not saying movies should play out like I think they should, but when we see the cards go where they are and how they're falling, that sometimes if it goes the way it looks like it should, like Frankenstein probably should have been dead at the end of the last movie, maybe they should do that. Um, Now, what I also really loved was in these final 15 minutes where everything is going nuts, we get all kinds of really interesting ideas. You know, ideas of death is uh death over loneliness mm. is a poignant, sad, and even sadder, sometimes a relatable feeling for a lot of people. Uh and I think this elevate elevates the film quite a bit for me to see the reaction of the bride uh, upon seeing Frankenstein's monster and everything that follows uh is just, you know, it's really sad, uh, but also not really unexpected. I also haven't even mentioned the performances of characters uh, of the uh, actors for Henry Frankenstein and Dr. Pretorius, but they're stellar. Mm. Like, Henry Frankenstein is even better than he was in the last movie, I think. Mm. But they're just like, they do not deserve to be undersold just because there's just so much going on in this movie.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I, I think maybe the few there's. the final few beats of the film might happen a bit too quickly, but with that said, I didn't expect, I actually didn't expect the uh, bride to reject the monster um, in the way that it did. I really didn't. Um, So I was a bit surprised there and it was that much more tragic because of that rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just goes to show like this con- this connection can't be manufactured, right? right? And you mentioned some of these themes, but thematically, there's a lot of interesting ideas that that come out of this and you've mentioned connection um, and I think of friendship and acceptance and also what it means to be quote unquote good and quote unquote bad. There are all these relationship pairs in the film. Frankenstein and his wife, Frankenstein and Pretorius, the monster and the hermit, the monster and his master, the monster and his mate. I'll speak a bit more about the good and bad <laughs> aspect of these relationships in our awards, but overall, this film just has some interesting ideas that aren't heavy-handed. They're just apparent through good storytelling. Exactly. Right, That's what a good movie can do. It doesn't have to give us its themes like by telling it to us. We just mm-hmm. can start to pick up on them naturally because of how the characters act and react throughout the film.
1: And that was one of the weaknesses that you and me ran into a lot, especially with our earlier Godzilla and Toho series. Is they're like, well, you didn't get the message, so let's beat you over the head with it at the end, right? Yeah, the last line. <laughs> I just, I respect a movie that respects me, right? Yeah. And so I really appreciate that these things we. We were. Someone could walk out of this movie not interpreting any of that, and that's fine. No. And that'd but be fine, yeah. But these ideas are there, and it's really cool to dig into. Them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, on today's MVM Plus, Alex. Before we move into our rotating segment and awards, I wanted to mention that we are going to do our first of two Matrix versus Men reviews this week. We're reviewing the original trilogy, and next week. We'll cover Matrix Resurrections. I know we've both reevaluated our original positions on the original three movies, Alex. So I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm so Uh, excited. (laughs) You're excited, Alex? I am. am. (laughs) You can join the community of bargain-based mites and find this review over on patreon.com forward slash mvmpod.
1: You know, it's funny, Eric. I actually watched the end of this movie with Eric, or with Eric, with uh, Gwen. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, she walked in, and I was like, hey, let's watch the end of this movie, because um, they were unwrapping uh, the bride. Oh. So, like they just did that. She's like, oh, why is there a mummy? I'm like, well, it's not a mummy. And then, <laughs> it devolved into that. And then, I didn't quite see it escalating as quickly as it does uh-huh. um and so there was some unanswered questions regarding why he blew up the building um and i had to like fabricate a story that happened before it just to make it make sense for her and not like depress oh, a small child <laughs> that's
0: good that's good alex oh man <laughs> uh yeah I think I've already scarred my children, so there would be no skirting around the issue. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's good. That's good.
0: Well, let's let's move into our awards. Compelling character award. Who'd you have, Alex?
1: It's got to be Dr. Pretorius for me. This is a amped up Dr. Frankenstein. This is Dr. Frankenstein without the conscience, right? This is someone totally in pursuit of... Uh, science without an understanding of when going anywhere is too far. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, it makes him so interesting and maniacal. And as soon as you think you kind of understand him a bit, he gets a little more evil. Um, You know, you, you, you think he's, you know, just a little mad, and then he kidnaps Dr. Frankenstein's wife and holds her hostage um mm-hmm. and then threatens Dr. Frankenstein himself. Well. And, and and then and then we find out that a lot of the organs that they're harvesting are not from cadavers. Yeah. They're actually just going out to the street and murdering people. Yeah. and taking their organs. So things go a lot farther with Dr. Pretorius than uh Frankenstein was ever willing to go.
0: He's he's a real villain, Alex. Yes. And, you know, we mentioned Kyoitoshi at the beginning of our show. She also said that uh, if we were, she gave us each a universal universe character. And for whatever oh, no. reason, she gave me Dr. Pretorius. Um, <laughs> I'm I not sure why. <laughs> I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes me concerned about her views of me. but um, <laughs> It makes me
1: concerned what people see in you too.
0: <laughs> but I, I'm going to go with. So I was thinking about this, Alex. And actually, as you were mentioning the end of the film, Mm -hmm. I I am incredibly compelled by the monster. But I'm also compelled by our new monster that we only get a few moments of. Just the way that this female monster moves differently than the original, than her counterpart. Mm. How she screams, how she has this look of bewilderment. It's, it's compelling, and I, I want to, to see more of that, um, which yeah. we may see at some point. We'll, I'm sure we'll get more of this character and, and a different sort of version of this character in, in a future universal film. But that that's interesting to me, um, just to see what, what becomes of this portrayal of this character. And Alex, I don't know if you noticed this, but we had that opening scene right which was interesting with Mary Shelley yeah, telling the strange. story you know creating this um framing narrative that actress Elsa Lanchester was the same actress that played the monster bride at the end um which I thought was a very interesting connection in a way of kind of tying these pieces back together yeah um, so like i didn't a pick up on character. it character
1: yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on that at all when the movie was going. Only after mm-hmm. afterwards, when I was like uh, looking up the cast and stuff like that, it's, it said that it said that mm-hmm. she was the you know she played played Frankenstein's mate as the credits mm-hmm. say, which mm-hmm. I love that the credits say Frankenstein's mate and it just has a question mark, and that <laughs> they never they never removed the question mark even after yeah. the end of the movie. Um, it's just very I thought that was a very cool little element to find out that the person we first see at the beginning of the movie actually played one of the last characters we see. just Yeah, for sure. It's just, I don't know. It just shows a lot of creativity and thought put into the movie. I just, I don't know. I found it, for some reason, I found that very charming.
0: It was cool. That's <laughs> no, really cool. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. What about your most memorable line? So,
0: it's a Pretorious line. It, you yeah, would. I, 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 you I, would.
1: I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I would, of course. It says, Sometimes I have wondered whether life wouldn't be much more amusing if we were all devils. No nonsense about angels and being good. Um, and, and he goes on, he's he's talking about no good and bad, right? And mm. I mentioned earlier that I think this is another interesting idea that the film is playing with, the idea between good and bad. And we had these these pairs of relationship, but we also get the – the hermit, the blind hermit, who is trying to explain good and bad in relation to fire with Frankenstein, the monster. And Mm -hmm. the same thing could be said with water and drowning, which keeps on occurring, right? Right. Um, There's good and bad uh, uses of water, of drink, of fire. And it's in how these... Are used not in the thing themselves that makes them either good or bad, It's kind of what the hermit is trying to communicate to the monster, but that concept, which is a great concept, is just not apparent at first to this this character who is essentially finding out about the world and I just find that idea very interesting
1: it, it's it's awesome, yeah, yeah, I think it's a very cool you know anything any tool can be turned into a weapon
0: yeah, interesting for sure.
1: What about you? Man, mine was uh, actually a line by the monster, which is not something I quite expected going into this movie. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the film, he turns to Frankenstein and Elizabeth, and he says, go, you live. And then he turns to Dr. Pretorius, he says, you stay. We belong dead. And I was like, oh, you got, got, this, got this man-made creation playing God over here, just deciding who lives and who dies.
0: Yeah. It's, that's the moment. For sure, <laughs> you know,
1: like. and and that's
0: he, he he said something similar like dead good alive bad <laughs> yes he did uh, earlier on, and I think that is again it goes back to that good and bad idea and this monster trying to figure out he's been hurt by the living you know right um, but when he didn't exist and was dead that's all that was good right uh, so it's a sad. Sad uh, phrase. to. Is that his last line? I think. Uh, Alex, yeah, that's
1: his, yeah, that's his last line before he... It's like,
0: sad line to bit. go out on, to be sure. Yeah. Uh, what about your Can't Believe That Acting Award?
1: Uh, yeah, I gotta give it to Colin Clive for his role as Henry Frankenstein. Hmm. Uh, I think he... I thought he did a great job in the last film, but I actually think he brings it even more this time around and him playing off of Dr. Pretorius really elevated this actor's act uh well, acting I guess mm-hmm. um I just felt like he was a really strong performance and just uh made himself a very memorable part of the film despite having to go up against things like you know Karloff as the monster and uh <laughs> Thesiger as Pretorius, yeah.
0: Uh, Colin Clive, I heard, Alex, was, was wanted to be replaced by Carl Lamley Jr. You know, so Carl Lamley and Carl Lamley Jr. are kind of the big producers behind all these films, right? Uh, okay. And Carl Lamley Jr. wanted to replace Colin Clive because he, apparently he had fallen into uh, a bit of alcoholism, Alex. Oh, nice. And... James Whale said, no, Uh, like there's only one actor to play Henry Frankenstein and it's Colin Clive. So there's actually a lot of things that Carl or James Whale kind of did, I think, that is pretty interesting to me in in reading a little bit about some of these films um, that he just pushed up against like the producers and the production companies to try to get his way and to make the film that he wanted to make which which I can respect, and, and that's one decision that he got right, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think it was the right call.
0: Well, you mentioned him, Alex, but my can't believe that acting award goes to Dr. Pretorius, played by Ernest Thessiger, or Thesiger, potentially. Um, Dr. Pretorius is a villain, yes, but very subtle, too, in the way that that character is portrayed. There's a maniacal streak to his performance that is just lying right there beneath the surface. He views Mm -hmm. the world in a sort of humorous way in like a sly humorous way where he just wants to push the limits in every aspect of life and and to find out if there are limits to this good and bad and evil idea. Um, There isn't really good and bad in his eyes. There's just unlimited possibilities. That is Dr. Pretorius and it is played exceedingly well by Ernest Thessinger. Mm,
1: Yeah. Honestly, I probably would have picked him uh, if you hadn't already. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. It's just a great It it is so good. It's someone we hadn't really seen um, before, too. His presence is just very cool and different, too, right? He's like this very slender, tall guy. Yeah. But he's still menacing in a lot of ways, Uh too. It's just very cool and unique.
0: Yeah. What about your "oh, that's a good shot" award?
1: Yeah, uh, so there. I mean, there's a a million to pick from, especially in the last 15 minutes. But uh, there's a moment where they're playing really heavy with the shadows, uh, Mm -hmm. and there's like these really pretty extreme close-ups of both um, Frankenstein and Pretorius looking up at the coil. So Pretorius is, or Frankenstein is looking up at it, and it cuts from him. And then it cuts to the coil uh, going up. And then it cuts over to Pretorius watching it as well. And it's just uh, I, iconic shots in that scene. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't know how they pulled off. I don't know how they pulled off that that last scene, really. Like, that's just an inspired <laughs> it's, bit it's of awesome. filmmaking. It's just It's one of my... And there, Yeah, you're right. There's so many to choose from. But there's, it could be a standout effect award if we were still giving that, Alex. But it's the moment when you mentioned them looking up at the coil. But it's the moment that the coil is dropped from the ceiling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this place is huge. And this prop, this is a prop. It's huge. This prop was built and it's huge and it's coming out of the ceiling right now. Like, what is going on? Like, who made this? this is amazing, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that that is awesome. And it's just a great shot. As well um, so I, I loved everything about about those moments yeah to be sure
1: dude, it's, just, it's so good now Eric, we gotta do our unique awards uh-huh. what, do, what do you got for us?
0: Mine is the most likely to make their presence known and I should say slash annoy Alex to death and that goes to <laughs> una <laughs> O'Connor as Minnie <laughs> you always know you always know when Minnie is
1: on the screen Alex yes you do. You always know. Um, uh, I won't say what anymore. What about you? <laughs> yeah, uh, mine's going to be uh, the Universal Monsters version um, of "I Am Groot" award, and that goes to the Bride who just shrieks and goes. Ah! Ah! That's.
0: It reminded me of a baby bird almost. Oh, baby
1: bird! Yeah, (laughs) I'm a baby bird. Something (laughs) like that.
0: No, that's good. That's a good one. Thanks. All right. So that brings us to our final thoughts and tiered rating. Uh, Alex, I can start this time if you would like. Sure. Uh, I think this is a definite Godzilla tier film for me. Alex, it's. Do I <laughs> preach? <laughs> yeah, it's um. So I also have the original Frankenstein as a Godzilla tiered film, and I can't decide which one I like more. Honestly, it's it's kind of. I mentioned Mothra before. What this reminds me of, this is kind of reminds me of the Mothra to Godzilla nineteen fifty four, whereas this is the Bride of Frankenstein to the original a 1931 Frankenstein. I feel similar ways about the two films. There's something, there's a transcendent quality about the originals, but there's this levity in a sense to these films where they're able to just bring, I I enjoy watching them a bit more um, because there's just feels like there's, there's a variety of tones and they get the balance right for the most part. Yeah. There might be some pacing issues as I mentioned, but what film from this time doesn't have some sort of what we would consider having watched the films that we've watched to have pacing issues. We're going to see most of these films and, and, and feel like there are some pacing issues at times because this is a new art form in 1935. So with that said, though, I mean, this is the set pieces are fantastic. They're magnificent. It's got to be top tier um, Godzilla tier film.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in complete agreement with you. This is Godzilla tier through and through. Um, it's like you said, it's the set pieces. It's almost all of the acting is just very memorable. The cinematography, the shots, like the effects, it's just all so impressive. And it's like, you know, you see some of this stuff and you just kind of think a little bit to yourself, like, have we stepped back a little bit? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, sometimes, especially when you see the creativity and the lighting of some of these shots, it feels like we. It's just well, I don't know. There's something really awesome about it.
0: That's I, I mean, you saying that makes me smile, Alex, <laughs> uh, because yeah, I, I'm with you, and and I agree with you. 100%. There is a creativity there. There's a creativity in the limitations, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes today with our modern technology and instruments, it feels like our we have limitless potential and thus we have no sort of limits and thus our creativity is hampered in a sense. You know, right. when you have constraints, sometimes you raise, rise, Rise to the occasion, and mm-hmm. in this case, like I think sometimes the constraints force the filmmakers, the special effects teams to do some amazing things that no one thought was possible in that time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, l- limits breed creativity most yeah. of the time, and uh, I I'm a firm believer in that, so I, <laughs> I it, and, it, and it shows here, and so yeah. I, you know, everything is kind of awesome with this movie, so definitely a Godzilla tier. Uh, I can't wait to see what's next. Dope.
0: Yeah. Well, next week is Werewolf of London, Alex. Um, I've got a rhyme prepared, so I'll buy you a second here.
1: Yeah, please do. I'm not ready (laughs) at all. I say,
0: when we encounter our first form of Wolfman, will London increase his lifespan or should he just move to Japan? Alex.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. I think, I think that's not bad. That's pretty I mean, good. We
0: should move back. I mean, is it going to force us to want to move back to Japan and Godzilla films as well, Alex? I, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. What about you? We're,
1: we're, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, I guess next is Werewolf of London. Will this film turn Monsters vs. Men into curmudgeons? Or are we going to... Um,
0: <laughs> oh man, this is what this is. This is why you prepare a little bit, Alex.
1: <laughs> Honestly, when I saw Werewolf of London, I was like floored. I was just shocked. I was like, "No, Wolfman? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: nope. Werewolf of London." I yeah. still found a way to incorporate Wolfman into my rhyme, I, if you noticed, Alex. Because London, spoiler, doesn't have many words that rhyme with it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Because like, I'm hoping that this is so good that it tastes a little bit like fondant,
0: the fondue on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cece that, just
1: gave me a look like
0: that means <laughs> disbelief. we need to end the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs Men. We want to hear from you. Email us at nvmpod at gmail or go to nvmpod dot com to tell us why Alex should prepare for his rhyme time and to just reiterate how great a film, the bride of Frankenstein really was. Send us mm. your thoughts and we'll read them on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. You can become a bargain base at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews and host chats. And if you can't help monetarily at this time, a review on your favorite podcasting platform, always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms cell block B, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't...
1: Set up what you create with a date you made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and try... Try... To... to
1: stay... alive. Wake up, wake up wake up you have created a monster and it will destroy you the other one i was gonna say Eric, was <laughs> to don't burn a blind man's house down yeah that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> Not a good thing. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I didn't even talk about that scene much, but I love that scene, that entire sequence. Um,
1: oh yeah, it's, it's just great. such a
0: beautiful. It's such such a beautiful idea, right? Uh, to have a blind man have this interaction with the monster. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a little stroke of genius.
1: Yeah, someone showing patience with a monster and what it can lead to. Yeah, for sure mm-hmm all right yeah well I, I kept recording so i'll just add this to the end <laughs> all right see y'all